Findable and Crossroads is your show all about nonprofits and the people that make the mission happen. I'm Marjorie Moore, Executive Director of Mind's Eye, and my personal mission is to make nonprofits stronger by identifying and fixing the rubs that so often could that come up between people and the mission. And we have my co-host, the fabulous Natalie Jablonski, the nonprofit ninja. Specializing in helping nonprofits maximize their time, talent, and resources <coughs> in order to achieve organizational greatness. Hey. Hey, Marjorie. How's it going? Well, you know what? It's going great, but I have to tell you. I'm I'm a little unhappy about something. Uh oh. So the show that we did about Wine on One predicting 2017 nonprofits, we had the Magic Eight Ball. Yeah. So I had a prediction that more people would be entering the nonprofit sector as a career on purpose. Do you remember this? I remember that. Do you remember what the Magic Eight Ball said? I remember it said no. It said no, and I disagree. And so I would <laughs> like to challenge the Magic Eight Ball. Uh, it was I, the Magic Eight Ball app. It was it, right, and so it wasn't official. So therefore, I decided uh, I wasn't going to trust that Magic Eight Ball. I decided to seek out a professional career coach, get their idea on all of this. And you know, when it comes to career coaching, the best of the best is Barbara Dieters. So I am bringing her in to here so that we can figure out this so-called magic of the magic eight ball and really kind of defunk it, if you will. Gosh, I hope you don't debunk the magic eight ball, but welcome, Barbara. We're so glad you're here. (laughs) That's right. So in all seriousness, I am glad you're here, Barbara, because I know you're amazing and I want our audience to get to know you. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Oh, well, thank you, Natalie. You're so kind. <laughs> um, first off, thanks for having me on the program. I appreciate the opportunity, you know, to talk about the subject since it's so near and dear to my heart. Right. I've been a professional career coach and resume writer for nine years. I have a private practice where I've been able to work with a wide variety of clients from varied disciplines, everybody from college graduate through the CEO, you know, senior executives. Before being a career coach, I spent 12 years working in corporate communications and HR in Fortune 500 companies and a consulting firm. So when I did that in HR and the consulting firm, I was working specifically in compensation, benefits, and recruiting. Before that, I was a newspaper journalist. So I've been a writer for more than 40 years. (laughs) I shouldn't have said that. (laughs) It's a compliment to your experience, right? (laughs) Well, I think that's interesting because I don't think a lot of people know what a career coach is. At Mm -hmm. least I don't think I knew what one was until I ended up meeting Barbara for the first time and working with her. And it was such a valuable experience. So why don't we just set the record straight? What What is this thing we call a career coach? Are they only for executives? You said you used them for other, all sorts of different types of people. Who should be looking for a career coach? So what is this career coach concept? The career coach is going to help guide you and in terms of your job search. Mm-hmm. That's what's really important. It, it's going to help you. That person is going to help you focus on being ready for the interview, mm-hmm. having a great resume, providing the advice that's needed in terms of how to proceed, how to follow up on an interview, carry you all the way through to salary negotiations, which I happen to absolutely love. (laughs) It's one of my favorite things to work with clients on. And you know what I find a lot of non-profit professionals, that area makes them very nervous. Oh, big time. Uh, You know, because of course we all know how budgets are with non-profits, Uh, people who are in the for-profit sector coming into the non-profit sector, they're trying to figure out reasonable expectations. Uh, those who've been in nonprofit for a while understand those expectations and they're nervous about asking for too much because, mm-hmm. you know, what will that do to the budget? And 
what do I need to have? So I think that's good that you're able to help with some of that. So at what point should someone engage in a relationship with a career coach? Like uh, when's a good time to do that? Is it when you're not employed and you're looking for work? Should you be working with a career coach even when you are employed looking for your future? As What is your suggestion on that? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Good to know. You can work with a career coach. It, there, it's like two thirds of the country of the working country is looking, you know, wants to get a new job. Really? They are dissatisfied with their employment and are seeking a new opportunity. So there would be a great opportunity to work with a career coach to help you understand how to approach the market, how to approach the market confidential confidentially sorry that's a good point um so that you are not broadcasting to your employer that you're looking to move yeah yeah um but definitely if you're unemployed people kind of worry about okay what's it going to cost me to hire this career coach and i guess the better question is what's it going to cost you not to Mm. because If you hire a career coach, they're going to help you understand your value a lot better. They're going to help you, like I said, prep for the interview. They're going to help you write that resume that's going to resonate with the hiring manager or the recruiter. They're going to help you be focused on what it is that you want, what your goal is, what it is that you want to achieve. Statistics show that people who use resume, professional resume writers and career coaches actually are you know, find their job, get employed quicker, mm-hmm. much sooner than those who don't use them. Well, that's fascinating. Because they're kind of flailing around and they're just going into that big black hole of applying online and and hoping for the best. Hoping yeah. for the best. Right. Well, you know, so. And so will it, as a career coach, will you kind of help them, somebody figure out like maybe where they want to go in their career or like if they're just, I don't know what I want to be when I grow up. Is that part of the part of the role? That is part of the role. Okay. And so. Um, if you know what you want to do, that's great. Mm-hmm. You know, it's full steam ahead and we work together toward that goal. If you don't, then there's some, uh, there's a look at what, what is your objective? What is it that you want to do? You want to change careers? Mm-hmm. Let's look at your skill set. Let's look at how that applies to the types of jobs that are in the market. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, can you relocate? If you can't, then you're focused on a particular market. If you can relocate, then, you know, the world's your oyster. Awesome. Um, so it's really important to, th- that the career coach ask a lot of questions. I, I ask a lot of questions of my people and I make them do a lot of homework. <laughs> As Natalie can attest. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And I'm not, I'm not, I have to admit, I'm not always good at doing homework, but I did good homework on that, man. You did you, excellent. You held me to the fire. So, so how do we pick a career coach if we've decided like this, mm, this is question. for us? How do you, how do we pick a, the right person for us? Well, and, and obviously it's a very good question because I think anyone who's interested in, in, learning about career coaches and how they work needs to interview them. Mm -hmm. Um, So you should obviously find to find career coaches. You're going to look on LinkedIn. You're going to do your Google search. It doesn't necessarily have to be a person in your market, but Mm -hmm. if you want someone who is going to be a face-to-face contact for you, Mm -hmm. then you're going to want somebody in your market. Yeah. Um, I have a lot of clients that are not in this state, you know, so uh, but I obviously have a lot that are face to face that I love to meet face to face and work with them as well. 
So uh, when you find the career coaches that you think that you're interested in, call them up or set an appointment to talk with them and ask them a wide variety of questions. Such um, as what are good questions to ask? Barbara? Good questions to ask. How do you work? How do you work with clients? What is your process? What services do you offer? Spell out the types of services because not every career coach offers every service Mm -hmm. and not every career coach is strong in every service. Mm. Like I have to be, I happen to be a really, really strong resume writer, but other career coaches aren't as strong, but they offer different aspects that might fit your needs better than I do. Who knows? You have to decide what it is that you're really looking for. And also um, that career coach is going to be asking you a lot of questions, like what's working, what's not. How long have you been looking? If you've been out of work and you've been looking for a couple of months and you haven't even gotten an interview, you probably need to hire a career coach to help you mm-hmm. because something's wrong with this process. And the career coach is going to be able to help understand and find out what that is so that you can overcome those challenges. Okay. So um ask about the services, how they work with their clients. Mm -hmm. Like, for instance, I'm very collaborative with my clients. I like to produce a product, like say the resume, and then sit down with them and go through it with them to help them understand why I've written what I've written, because they're the ones who are going into the interview. They're the ones who are going to have to own it and speak to it. And if you're not comfortable with what I've written, then you're going to show that in an mm-hmm. interview. Yeah. And we want to make sure that you're prepped well for that interview. Okay. So what I hear you saying is not just when you're interviewing, find out the basics of what they do and if they fit your needs, but also what's their work style and yes. does that fit your personality? I, yes. You know, you want someone who motivates you, someone mm-hmm. who holds you accountable and not in a way that's going to demotivate you. And then some of that is just a personality check and seeing how you work together, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you say? I totally agree. Okay. I mean, there are a lot of great career coaches out there, um, but we all have different personalities. And, it, you know, you're, as do all of our as applicants, do all, yes, right? as do all of our applicants. And you want to just make sure that you're clicking with that person, mm-hmm. that you have a good enough rapport with that person, that you trust them. Yeah. One of the things that you mentioned was uh, when looking for a career coach to look on LinkedIn for mm-hmm. a career coach. And I know that we get lots of questions about LinkedIn. Uh, it's the people have even called it the the Facebook for professionals. And uh, I hate that because they're totally, in my mind, different things. But yeah. I guess I guess my question is, tell us, tell us the truth. Tell our listeners the truth. Do hiring managers, do they really look at LinkedIn? Do they really work the LinkedIn circle or is that just a myth? Oh, they definitely use LinkedIn. Okay. Um, 98% of recruiters use LinkedIn to do passive searches for candidates. Okay. Really? Um, according to LinkedIn, 33% of those only use LinkedIn to do passive searches for candidates. Wow. So they don't use any other tool. They use LinkedIn to find their candidates. So this is what's critical about it. If you apply online there and, and you have scored high enough on the applicant tracking system so that your resume is chosen for some human to actually look at, <laughs> if, and they decide that you are a candidate that they're going to phone screen, um, the second thing they're going to do after they look at your resume is look at your LinkedIn profile. Mm-hmm. So it's either going to be the first or the second thing that someone is seeing about you. That's why LinkedIn is so critical. Interesting. One of the best hires I ever made 
in in my career thus far was for a a fund development professional, mm-hmm. and I found him and recruited him on LinkedIn. There oh you my. go. There's and, proof. Um, and still connected to this day. It was a great hire. And uh, I wondered if it was just a one-off, like if it was just because of the fact that that's how I became aware of him and, and it built from there and it was just mm-hmm. coincidence or if there was really some proof in that. So There's actually even a new um, feature on LinkedIn that you can let people know but not your employer. I mean, mm. you can you can let recruiters know that you are open to new opportunities. Oh, so do the recruiters register so, in a different type capacity where they have access to that? Um, recruiters have. There is LinkedIn for recruiters. Oh. There's LinkedIn, yeah, for and and that is a pretty expensive tool. Um, but um, many recruiters do use that, and it gives them access to information that isn't available directly by the when you look at a public view of somebody's profile. Wow. So now when it comes to to doing my LinkedIn page, you know, I've got it all set up. It looks nice. It's got all my jobs and things under it. Do I need to be posting after that? Like, do I have to you know, write articles, write posts? What, what do I need to be doing? Should I be doing any of that? Um, you definitely should be active on LinkedIn. Okay. I encourage people to post or be active at least once a week. Okay. Now, being active doesn't mean you have to actually post something every, you know, that doesn't mean just a post. Right. Um, it could be an original blog. Okay. Uh, because LinkedIn now lo- allows you to do that. It could be sharing a post that from someone else. Mm-hmm. And my best advice for sharing a post is to add value to that. If you're going to share something and it's an article, tell me why I should spend my three to five minutes reading that article. Okay. Uh, don't just pass it along and click the, click the mm-hmm. share button and, <laughs> and, and you're done. No, add some value. So you're thinking once a week, is that for active job seekers or just in general? Because like, like what if I'm not job seeking right now or our listeners are job seeking and they're thinking, well, Whenever I get to the point where I'm looking for a job, then I'll start posting. Is that good practice or should you just be in general one of those things, just put it on your task list and check it off to do? You should put it on your task list and check it off every single week. You should do it. Because I would assume you you can go back in history and see how active they are, right? Exactly. Okay. And recruiters look at how active you are. Mm -hmm. Um, If you are active, you're keeping yourself top of mind with your network. Okay. So that's pretty critical. Because you don't want to just use your network when you need it. Mm-hmm. You want to be able to share with your network. So you want to be uh, show that you're an expert in your field and you want to be able to uh, give and take. So if if there's like somebody is a friend of yours who uh, had a great post, you want to support them by sharing that post and saying why it's a great post. Hmm. I always get frustrated when I am on LinkedIn by people who don't have photos. I feel yes. like it's like the lazy man's way of le- keeping your LinkedIn. Like you don't even yeah. have 30 seconds to upload a photo. I just assume those people aren't actually on LinkedIn. That, I always <laughs> wonder, like, are they really on there or is yeah. it just like a fictitious? And then I always wonder about some of these photos out there. Like there was this one that I saw and it was a guy and his, and his dog. And it was a really cute photo if it would have been his Facebook profile. Mm-hmm. But I just... I have to wonder, is it, Barb, tell me what's your take. Is that an appropriate yeah. photo? Do, do people really look at photos or am I just being super critical? Well, 
a, a, a guy with his dog would be appropriate only if he worked for a pet care company. Oh, fair. Yeah, that's fair. Okay. <laughs> I'm pure, you know, that. I like that. Okay. Humane society. Or right, humane right, society. Right, right. right. Or a nonprofit that dealt with animals. Um, otherwise, the answer is no. You should not be posting a picture of yourself with your dog. Um, I just had someone who wanted to link in with me who's got a picture with his kid. Uh, there was one floating around of a, of a woman bodybuilder who was scantily clad. That was by far the worst that I've seen. Uh, wow. it was, yeah, it was not, not good. Now, it wasn't because she was a bodybuilder and she was promoting herself as a bodybuilder. She was in sales. Oh. She just oh. happened to do bodybuilding on the side. So she wanted to be able to, as, as a sales, promote her assets. Promote her assets. Exactly. Huh. <laughs> Got it. But I thought it was distasteful myself. Interesting. Yeah. yeah so I, really I, wear I, things that you would wear to work. Exactly. Okay. And maybe it, it doesn't have to be professionally have, taken. That's why I always wonder. So like, photo. like I could take Marjorie's, she could take mine. We're just talking about a good snapshot here, but maybe not a selfie, maybe not one with you and your family. Mm-hmm. You exactly. Know, take it up a notch. I'm thinking yeah. this and, is. And don't take a photograph that. You, that's already been produced and cut yourself out of it, you know, cause people, and, and use that. It's like, so you can see oh, somebody's other arm. shoulder off your, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I no, hand no. on their shoulder and you're like, whose hand is that? Exactly. <laughs> because more than likely those, those pictures that have already been produced are not of high quality. Mm-hmm. And then you're, when it shows up on LinkedIn, it's very grainy. You want to, yeah. you need a high quality picture. Well, we've talked a lot on this show. I know about like social media and trying to make connections and work your connections and such. And how many connections, Marjorie, do you think you have on LinkedIn? I know I, I passed the over 500 mark a while ago. So I got the 500 plus on mine. So I'm not, I'm kind of wondering, like at that point I was trying to connect connections. I kind of prefer to have like people actually kind of at least have met once, but is it better to have more connections or fewer connections? Or That's a good question. Like just really strong connections. What should I be doing? It's more the merrier or yeah. not yeah. so much. <laughs> well, that depends. Oh, okay. um, if you're in sales, the more connections, the better, because okay. those are all potential clients that and customers, sense. correct? Yeah. Right. Right. Um, LinkedIn actually does suggest that you link in with people only with people that you know. Okay. Um, so that would also be my recommendation. I get requests all the time from people I don't know. Mm-hmm. And what I do is instead of accepting the invitation, uh, I go to their, I, there's, uh, you can go on to the page where people you may know and they'll mm-hmm. show up and, um, then do a reply to them first okay. and say, thank you for your interest in connecting with me on LinkedIn. Before accepting, I'd like to ask you a couple of questions since I don't know you. Mm-hmm. What drew you to my profile page and why would you like to connect? That's great. And when you are asking anyone to connect that you don't know, these are the things you ought to be supplying in your email to them in your invitation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because otherwise it's just blind invitation and somebody's going to ignore it. Most mm-hmm. people aren't going to take um, the extra step that I do to reply back and learn more about this, this situation. Yeah. Now out of maybe one out of every 10, maybe two out of every 10 will actually reply to me with a response. Wow. And if they do, I will connect most times. Mm-hmm. If they don't, if you can't bother to send me back an email explaining to me why you want to connect, then I can't bother to connect. That's, That's a fair, fair world. <laughs> yeah. I think I always, uh, 
feel like I, I don't want to hurt someone's feelings by, mm-hmm. by, by saying no. So I like that alternative. And I know that Marjorie, you probably have had this as well because we are on this show in particular, mm-hmm. we get people who want to connect with us who we really have never met and, but they're a nonprofit and once in a while they will say, Hey, I've listened to your show. I thought it'd be great if we could connect. And that's I great. Totally but- connect with our listeners. If I know you're absolutely <laughs> just let me know. Uh, just yeah, tell us that's why you're connecting with us. Yeah. But I have turned some people down and I felt bad, even though they were in nonprofit, maybe they were in Washington or Florida or mm-hmm. Colorado. And I'm thinking, I don't know who you are. And I appreciate that you want to connect, but I don't know who you are. And mm-hmm. so if I've done that to you, try to reconnect with me again and tell me it's because you're a listener and I'm sorry. Uh, but I like that response uh, a lot. It gives me a, a hoop, if you will, to jump through exactly. so that I understand before I put myself out there and say that I know you. And then someone uses my credibility to justify who that person is. Yeah, exactly. That's always my big worry. Yes. Well, and, and do they just really want to connect with you to get, uh, you know, access to your connections? Right. Mm. Which know, Right. And that's, that's scary. Cool. So now onto resumes, kind of one of your specialties. There's been a lot of changes in resumes, I think, probably since I first started working here. How how are resumes today different than how they used to be? Well, they're very different. Ever since the Great Recession of 08, 09, and continuing, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it has really been a difference in how recruiters and hiring managers look at a resume. Um, they It's all about accomplishments. You think the resume is about you, but it's actually about them. Mm-hmm. Because they're looking at the resume and looking at it saying, what can this person do for me? And that's what your resume needs to to show. So it's all about the accomplishments. It's no longer just a litany of here's where I've worked in the years that I worked there and this was my job title. Yeah. No, it's got to be a lot more than that. It's got to have um, a lot of depth to it. Okay. To show your value. That's, I like that. Instead of listing that I supervise volunteers saying I supervise 400 volunteers and increase the number of volunteers by 600 in two years or something like that. Rather, th- because it, yeah. it tells you more. It tells, it tells, it tells me, me whether oh, you can be successful. You can do that. So you could do that for me. Yeah. I can see that. Right. I can see that quality now and how that would enhance my organization. Absolutely. And, and the, the newest thing though is in terms of don't just tell me what you can do, show me. And that's what the accomplishment statements really do. They demonstrate your value. You know, we have talked to on the show about nonprofit colleagues and we tend to, uh, under, under celebrate, yes. under recognize ourselves, under reward ourselves. And I wonder the comfort level of some of our listeners who might be going through this experience thinking it's time to update their resume. It's so much easier just to say, here's what I did, mm-hmm. kind of like, you know, don't want to brag or anything. <laughs> Once you start putting numbers and data and showing skill sets, it almost feels a little unnatural for nonprofit staff, I think, because it's like we're bragging on paper. But if there's a time to brag, boy, it's when you're getting that's <laughs> when you're getting a job, right? That's when you should be doing that. So that's. Uh, and then I also think that we tend to overcomplicate things, don't you? Oh, absolutely. In nonprofit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm wondering, wondering if that's going to bleed over to this problem, especially, yeah. you know, we got graphic designers and all these fancy fonts we can use now oh, yeah. and different formatting. And so can we, can we use Comic Sans or should we? <laughs> Times not? New Roman 12 <laughs> point font, right? No, do not use yeah. Times New Roman. Oh, see, these are things we need to know. So yeah. fancy formatting, plain text, what should we be using or is there, to be using both. Should we have two versions? Because I know there's uploading now of 
resumes. I don't know. Well, if you're if you're uploading to an applicant tracking system when you're applying online, um, you want a basic stripped down version that we don't want any you don't want any special characters, you don't want any lines, you just want the content in a Word document. So none of that auto formatting, formatting, right? No. no numbers or bullets or any of that stuff, right? Well, you can use a regular bullet, but okay. don't use a special kind of bullet. Okay. Okay. You can use a regular don't bullet. Don't use a snowflake. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe don't use a snowflake no matter what you're doing. Exactly. <laughs> but what if you're in the weather nonprofit world? Okay, so if, if you're, yeah, the meteorologist. Okay. There you go. Like, right, <laughs> always a reason, always a way, right? So, uh, so plain formatting for uploading purposes, right. which we're going to get back to that whole word you just used, which blew my mind, applicant mm-hmm. tracking, tracking systems. systems. Yeah, yeah. Put, we'll put a note on that. i got to figure out what that is. But go ahead. Yes. And then you can have a what's what I call a presentation resume, which is so the applicant tracking system resume is designed for the computer eye. It's yeah. designed so that and if you do it correctly, it's designed so that what you submit is actually what they receive on the back end okay. and with no glitches. Okay. So the presentation resume is designed for the human eye. It's graphically beautiful, its presentation, you know, is is much nicer looking and inviting. And it has different entry points for the human eye. So that's the difference between the two. You you would use the same content. You would just dress it up, if you will. Okay. And that's the resume that you would PDF and email to someone or take into the interview with you. Okay. So as far as like what what I what I'm doing, I should probably create a Word version and and a PDF of the same thing. A Word version and a presentation version. Okay. Then you that you then PDF. Okay. <laughs> oh, cool. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Got it. <laughs> so now when I'm sending this stuff in, should I, can I use my home email? Like, um, I love 501 crossroads 23 at AOL.com. Or... <laughs> <laughs> I think you should totally be able to use that. <laughs> That'd be great. <laughs> now this is a great question. Cause I went yeah. to this say, I kind of got into an, uh, an argument with uh, somebody over the holidays, mm-hmm. like a niece who was going through a similar experience. And mm-hmm. she's like, but I love my email address. And I'm like, I understand, but that is not the image you want to be sending no. your, your application from. And no. so I, I'm wondering, what is your take on this? Manage a whole other email account? Yes. Okay. If that's the case, um, create an email address, a professional email address through Gmail, okay. or one of the free services um, that is separate from your carrier, whether that's AT&T or whatever separate from your so mm. you want this email address to follow you no matter where you go no matter who your carrier is you don't because once if you changed from AT&T to somebody else boom all those emails are gone mm-hmm. you have no no more access to those emails well you actually do but not you can't there's you it's a lot harder it's just <laughs> a history yeah right. you can't use them you can't do anything with them they're just a history right um so so for instance, you, Natalie, you would have Natalie.jablonski at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. And, and odds are that's a complicated name enough that no one probably has it. Exactly. <laughs> Should someone have it, though, you would just put, just like you would on Facebook, maybe, is Natalie.jablonski1 mm-hmm. at gmail.com. So yeah. just add a number, add a middle initial Something like that. I've heard some drama yeah. about using zeros because zeros look like O's. Ooh, so yeah. try to avoid zeros. Yep. Yeah, but I had to go full name because there were um, maybe 10,000 million Marjorie Moores out there. So. But none as special as you. None. Yes. None with my middle name. So. <laughs> and we know that we like yours the best. Yes. 
<laughs> so now what about the cover letter? Like oh, how much, yeah. how much weight should we put on the cover letter? How much time should applicants spend on that? Do people even read the cover letter? You, you, <laughs> one question at a time. I'm sorry. <laughs> the cover letter is fascinating to me. You, you have to have a cover letter. I've had recruiters tell me, uh, some of them tell me, no, I don't read them. I've had some of them tell me that they do. The point is, is that once they read your resume and decide that they are going to bring you in or do a phone call with you, they've read your cover letter. Well, the other thing is when you apply online, you have absolutely no way of knowing who's going to be reading your resume. So you have no way of knowing who then would be interested in reading a cover letter. Mm-hmm. The other thing is, why would you pass up a great opportunity to sell yourself? That's what cover letters do. You're going to tell me in that cover letter why you're the best person for the job without repeating everything that's in your resume. You're going to tell me what's special about this connection that you want to have with my company. Hmm. Mind blown. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of pressure for it's just like supposed to be only one page, right? Yep, it's one page. I've had cover letters mailed to me before with resumes and the cover letter was longer than the resume, Oof. which I thought was interesting. I won't tell you what I did with that application, but um, I, that's a lot of pressure to be concise, which I think goes back to the reason that you're here is the career coach mm-hmm. and hiring someone who, if, if wordsmithing is not your thing, hire someone who is. And yes, definitely. Have them help you narrow, narrow that down. Definitely. So and I keep should... you focused. I mean, that's the whole, that's one of the key things about a career coach is to keep you focused. Yeah. Um, so you're saying do the cover letter, but what if it says it's optional? Do I still have to do it? Yes. Okay. And the Good little, try. Good try to get out of that, Marjorie. And the little trick on that, even if there's not a place um, online, when you apply online to place your cover letter and you can only upload one document, is to make your cover letter the last page of your resume. Okay. Oh, that's sneaky. I like it. So it's there. They don't have to read it if they don't want to, right, but it is there. That's very cool. All right. Let, all right. Let's go back to, I need to, I need to rewind. And I, cause I made a note, you said applicant tracking system, and now we're talking about all this online stuff. And for some people in nonprofit, it's been a while since we've perhaps engaged in looking at a new opportunity. And, uh, if their mind was blown like mine was, I'm mm-hmm. trying to, what is an applicant tracking system? Is that, so there are about 175 different applicant tracking systems out there. Oh, is that you, it? Yeah, that's, that's it. Okay. Yeah. This Just should that. be, this should be an easy conversation. Exactly. Then. I, think I personally call mine Excel, but. <laughs> <laughs> That's your donor database. Yeah. <laughs> totally different. <laughs> um, there, there are probably a lot of nonprofit folks who never have to apply online. They're sending an, uh, a PDF through email. And that's totally acceptable. Mm-hmm. And that's when you want to have that beautifully designed presentation resume. But a lot of larger organizations are going to require that you apply online. The key reason for applicant tracking systems to tell you the honest to God truth is EEOC. Mm. Uh, they, they want to be able to have a database that shows how many people applied for this position. Um, if you choose to answer the questions at the end about your ethnicity and various other things, gender, that kind of stuff, then that, which is separate, you know, that goes into a totally separate database that isn't anywhere near HR. Um, then, it gives them an understanding so that, say, I applied for a job and didn't get it, and I want to come back and sue you. Mm-hmm. They're able to say, well, you know, on what grounds do you want to sue? Here's our database to show that they don't give the names or anything, but mm-hmm. here we, we had 300 people apply for this job. We interviewed five. They were diverse people. 
So it's a lot of EEOC. Mm-hmm. And even, even if some, lots of times, even if you get the job, they still ask you to go in there and, and fill out the application because they need mm-hmm. it on record. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. <clears throat> the other thing is originally ATSs were designed so that it was supposed to be helpful to recruiters to be able to sort candidates. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me. So that, um, they could, the, the computer itself, the, the system scores applicants. So if there's 300 applications, there's a one and there's a 300. And if you're in the top, they want to decide to interview the top 15, then those would be the people that they would start looking at. Now that doesn't mean that they're not going to call the rest of those applications, but it means they're going to look at the ones that scored the highest and say, are these candidates that we would consider for an interview? Hmm. That seems very complex to me because of the fact that I, going back to the nonprofit world, I just don't think we're used to that. We're used to the very personable one-on-one. I'll send you an email and yeah. So uh, and everybody knows everybody. Everybody knows everybody, exactly. right? Yep. Which is why the whole confidentiality piece comes in. But, you know, I think that could be really good knowledge for our, our nonprofit fans out there who are working in nonprofit and they'd like to move up in a different way. You know, the corporate sector has all sorts of giving programs and foundations and such. And when you're looking to make that type of move, these are good things to know. Oh, this, Mm -hmm. if you're making that kind of move, then definitely you're going to have to apply online through an applicant tracking system. So if we are looking at maybe entering the nonprofit sector for the first time, what do, what should people be considering? Well, um, I mean, uh, let me think about that for a second. Um, <laughs> it's a complex question, I know, yeah. but we well, do get that question a yeah, lot. A lot. Well, the first, I mean, I know that this isn't exactly answering the question, but the first thing I would do if I was looking for a job in nonprofit is go to theromegroup.com. Oh, yes. we've um, had the Rome Group on the show. Yes. They're fabulous. Yeah. Yeah. So they are in this market, in the St. Louis market, they are the number one source for nonprofit jobs uh, in every category. So, mm-hmm. so that's a great consideration. Um, if like, say you're a graduate, uh, a recent graduate and you want to go into nonprofit or you want to change careers and go into nonprofit, either way, you would want to start finding people in the nonprofit world that you can admire and then see if you can establish a relationship with them mm-hmm. so that you can get an informational interview about what's, what do you do in your job? What's a day? like for you an informational interview an informational interview that's an interesting concept Does so you're not going to take me to lunch, <laughs> to lunch? <laughs> we do like food and nonprofits. Yeah. Uh, so what is that so that's not they don't have a job opening you're just nope. talking to them you're just talking to them and you're and you're looking for information from them about what it is that they do and what do they see are the opportunities in general for the kind of nonprofit work that you want to do. Hmm. Say you're in fundraising versus communications. You know, it's like, so if you want to do the fundraising aspect of it, you would find somebody who's a really good fundraiser and you would talk to them about what are the skills that I need to have? What experience do I need to have? Who do I, who would be the best people for me that I should contact based upon your, you know, recommendations? Right. Uh, to be able to understand more fully what this job entails so that when I go and apply for this job and get, of course, you're going to get the interview. Yeah, <laughs> of course. And, and you get the interview, you can speak more fully about how your skills transfer to that position. 
That's that's interesting. I not I don't think I've ever heard of it talked to about like that, but I understand the concept. I've had people before who talked to me about I want to get nonprofit. I have these types of skills. How does that relate to nonprofit? And what what are some of the lingo I should be using? They want exactly. to know lingo. Exactly. Yeah. So annual appeal versus mm-hmm. I'm really good at writing letters, you know. Uh, and so we talk exactly. about what that looks like so mm-hmm. that people can talk that lingo. So when they get the interview and they say, well, you'd be part of the annual appeal process, they know what that means and then they can keep going with it. But that's, that's informational interview. That's a new concept for me. Also, I've actually you, given several of those. Look at you. Did they take you to lunch? No, it's usually um, been like new college grads who just like, they have no idea, you know. <laughs> what they want to do and how they're trying, and they're just kind of trying to figure out the lay of the land. If you're going to ask for an informational interview, you really should ask, you should pay for coffee. Mm -hmm. Say, I'd love to take you to coffee. That sounds fair. I like coffee. And, um, (laughs) and the last thing that I think that you could do is ask to shadow them for a day. Oh, Mm. that's a nice idea. That uh, stresses me out from the other, from the other end, having somebody shadow me all day. Having you like watch, having watch. Them. My, <laughs> no, in my luck, it'd be on one of those days where it's incredibly quote boring in nonprofit yeah. where you're working on budgets and, and behind the scenes strategic planning and it's. And that annual appeal. And the yeah. annual appeal, right. <laughs> well, the other thing I think that we hear a lot from our audience is people who are in nonprofit, but they're looking to make a career move. Uh, maybe in the next, you know, couple months or six months or so. So if you've got someone who's looking for advice, they they're happy where they're at, but they're thinking that they'd like to grow into a new career opportunity in the next, I don't know, maybe six months, twelve months. What type of advice would you maybe give them? Well, I would tell them that if they're not active on LinkedIn, they better be. They better start getting active. If they don't have a profile, create one with a good picture that doesn't have a with, dog in it. Exactly. Right? exactly. Unless they're unless they're a dog nonprofit, right? <laughs> yeah. If they haven't started networking, do so. Okay. Um, and if you haven't updated your resume uh, or written one for today's world, then obviously work with a career coach and get that done. Check out the wrong group, obviously. We talked about that. And research nonprofits that you like to work for so that you are knowledgeable about them when you get the interview. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Please don't walk into an interview and say, cool. so what do you all do here? Exactly. Not gonna, yeah. not, not Has gonna happen to you before yeah. Marjorie. Um, happened to me today. <gasps> no. <laughs> wow. No. That was timely. Yeah. I didn't know not, that. Not exactly that, but somebody who there did not do their research at all and did not know anything about one of the key programs that this particular position uh, would be administering. Not a proud moment no. for that person. No. <laughs> okay. So, Good to know. These things happen. <laughs> one thought, one final thought I'd like to add about hiring a career coach. Yeah. That we didn't, um, uh, touch on is embrace the relationship. You know, you've paid good money, you know, for this help and it's probably not chomp change. Yeah. So take their advice, take full advantage of the relationship and the opportunity that's being presented to you. If you're unsure about any advice that's being given, ask questions. If you're unclear about how to proceed, ask. That's what that career coach is there for. And um because they're going to help to help you work to discover where your obstacles are and how to overcome those challenges so that you can target the right companies, target the right kinds of jobs and get that interview. It's like a and personal SWOT analysis. Oh yeah, it is. <laughs> kind of great. Yeah, I like it. Yes. Excellent. So maybe we should do like a, see like what our applicant advice is for, for everybody out there. You know, those things that hiring managers don't tell you, but, 
Well, I mean, maybe Natalie and I and Barbara will well, tell we, you because yeah. we love our we love our people. We out love there, our right? audience. Yes, let's. Yeah. We'll, we're going to give it to you the real way, right? Yeah. So, Natalie, what's yours? Uh, okay. Here's they're not going to tell you, but here's here's what really does matter. When you when we call you, answer the phone and take for granted that we really are who we say we are, and that maybe <laughs> we really are trying to offer you an opportunity. <laughs> True story. Called an applicant, introduced myself and my organization, and they said, thanks, I'm not interested, and hung up on me. Because they thought that you were I looking was for money. Yep. Oh, wow. So I called. Did they apply? Uh-huh. But, of course, they probably applied to many positions. And I called back, and they answered, how many times, different ways can I tell you no? <laughs> and I said, you applied here for a position. And there was silence. They went, Hi, I'm so sorry. And all of a sudden they got, I only called them back to prove the point. Exactly. Um, and then said, thank you very much for making it very easy for me to let you know that you won't be moving forward in wow. your process. Uh, life changing probably for that person. Hopefully they learn from it, but take advantage of when we call. We actually are who we say we are. Uh, and the second one, they're not going to tell you, but it matters. Dress professional for oh, the yes. interview. <laughs> My favorite ever person that came in for an interview came in in flip-flops with striped socks. Oh, no. Nice joggers. Uh, for those of you who don't know what joggers are in your generation where you don't know what joggers are, those are uh, fancy sweatpants. Ah, uh, dress sweats. Yeah, dress sweatpants. Uh, a hoodie that actually was worn so much it had a worn hole no. in the corner. Oh, my gosh. And a hat. And she was a female. Mm. And when I proceeded with the two minute version of my interview because now I brought this person in and I wasn't going to just have them walk away and I couldn't help but think, you know, I'm going to be a Pollyanna. Surely there's some really great reason why this <laughs> outfit is being worn and started to dig into what they did for a living. And they explained their job currently is very physical with the clients that they work with and they go on a lot of outings. I thought, Oh, I bet today is one of those days. And the population they work with um, gets uh, very physical. So perhaps you don't want to wear something nice to that. And if she's going to work right after, maybe she just wasn't thinking about changing because this is her work attire. And I said, well, I don't want to keep you late from work. And her response was, oh, no, I'm off today. <laughs> oh. okay. So please remember what you wear matters and how you answer the phone matters. Yes. And if you can remember those two little nuggets, uh, your hiring managers will thank you. <laughs> What about you, Marjorie? You've been going through some recent experience with this. I have been, yeah. We're, we're hiring right now, actually, for a position. But I would say give me give me full and complete answers to the questions that we're asking. You know, think about them. Take a second. Think about them. Um, but, you know, elaborate. And if I ask you about something that you don't know about, find other skills that you have that relate. Like, you probably have some experience around the things otherwise you wouldn't be in the office. So don't um, just sit there and say, I don't know. Exactly, yeah. And then... Um, on your end, ask me questions. Like, yes. this is as much as a chance for you to decide if you want to work with us as it is for whether we want to work with you. Like, I, th I think that that's the one thing a lot of people forget sometimes is, you know, you're going to be spending 40 hours a week plus here. Like, make sure you want to. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> In fact, I just created a list of like 27 questions that candidates should be asking Ooh. during the interview process. And I actually plan to do a presentation on that through another nonprofit group beyond networking here Ooh, in St. Louis. Let, but make sure yeah. we get the, we'll put that in the show notes and make sure people can get to that. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's uh, it's the, I believe it's the first Tuesday of 
February, whatever date that is, the six or something like that. Okay. Yeah. Get us the information. We'll definitely get it on. And one of my favorite questions to ask when they say, do you have any questions? One of my favorite questions is always asked is tell me about the most complicated part of your day. That's a great question. Because it helps. That just became to, 28. It, it, yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's a bonus question. Tell me the bonus question, right? Uh, but it really helps you to understand what their day looks like. Mm-hmm. It helps you to understand what's important to them, where their, um, where their rub points are and how then later you can maybe frame yourself on the, on your final words that would help to answer some of those rub points. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it makes them think about themselves and people like thinking about themselves. They do. And so it always ends on a nice note, but yeah, it's true. What what about you? Give us your wisdom. What? Well, I, my suggestion is if you are going to apply for a job that you apply for it within the first week that it's posted, because it turns out that many people in recruiting, whether they're in the, on the corporate side, you know, especially if they're on the corporate side, but, and hiring managers, they will look at, They'll canvas, what do I have for this first week? And they'll start finding great candidates. Mm-hmm. And they will look beyond the first week. But at that point, you're going to have to be so outstanding that you've knocked everybody in that first week out of contention to get on the list to be interviewed. So LinkedIn says that if you apply for a job the first day that it's posted, that you are 10% more likely to obtain the interview. Wow. wow. Those are good odds. So don't be passive aggressive when it comes to your job search is exactly. the walk away point I'm taking from today. Not the that only- I'm going anywhere. I don't want my board members to hear this and freak out. We, we're, we're perfectly fine, but lots of great advice yeah. for our listeners. And Barbara, I really appreciate you coming on today. I know uh, spending some time with our listeners and I'm sure that they're going to love you just as much as Marjorie and I love you. Absolutely. So tell them how, how should they get in touch with you if they'd like to learn more about uh, you as a career coach or just getting some general advice from you. Well, thank you so much for having me on the show again. I, I, I had a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> we are kind of fabulous. <laughs> so um, listeners can reach me at Barbara at DietersConsulting.com or through my website, DietersConsulting.com or even through message me through LinkedIn. They're also welcome to call me at 636-222- Four nine eight five. Again, that's six three six two 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 four nine eight five. My email and my phone number are also listed on my LinkedIn profile and on my website. So I have given you plenty of, of ways to contact me. Awesome. Great, Marjorie will get those in the show notes yep. too, so people can click right through and find that. Find, find yeah. you awesome. quickly. Yeah, <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming in today, Barbara. We really appreciate all the advice. And thank you to all of you out there listening and joining us on 501 Crossroads. 501 Crossroads is recorded at the studios of Mind's Eye Radio and is produced and hosted by me, Marjorie Moore. And me, Natalie Jablonski. Mike Curtis is our sound engineer. Please go to iTunes or Stitcher or your favorite app and subscribe and leave us some feedback so that others can find us. You can find us on Facebook at 501 Crossroads. Thank you for listening. And remember, we're all working towards the same outcomes.